there's a couple of them that um <laughs> i was gonna move over that way oh, were you? okay I mean, either way is fine yeah i mean you were already here you didn't have to move back <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness okay uh i was thinking what kind of what order to put the stories in because um i don't want to start with just i want to start with something and kind of have a progression but i'm not sure what that would be yet so uh i don't have any contribution on that. right yeah. well, i will once we start re oh, recording now <laughs> yeah. okay this doesn't sound too good <laughs> i have a bad habit when it comes to recording place at the right time. I'm Brad Hicks with Dan Zesvorka. Here I am. <laughs> In this podcast, Dan takes a deeper look at his own wrong place experiences and, and he gleans from many of them, uh, many of those experiences, um, unsuspected and surprising outcomes. Um, so sit back, relax, and enjoy Dan's stories and see if you can't relate to how being in the wrong place may have been just the right time in your own life journey. So we could do a story or two today. Um, I could tell. I have. I could tell the other rite of passage trip. Also, um, I mean, there's lots of other stories. Um, I've done some. Kind of done some from Mexico childhood. A little bit of San Francisco. What about any of your? Childhood growing up stories, wrong place, right? Um, you've kind of, every story you've told, it hasn't it been Mexico for the most part? No, you told no. some San Francisco stories. Yeah, and San Diego stories. And, San Diego. and um, talk about origin stories. Kind of did some of those with my brother. Um, trying to think. <laughs> I have car accident stories, but. Okay, well, let me let me tell the other rite of passage with Ian, and then 
we could throw in you could pick out some stories if you want after that okay write a passage with ian yeah so remember i did the write a passage with kevin where we went and found a wise Christian man in a small town in Mexico. That was a great story. Yeah, I love that. That's one of my favorite stories and experiences. And then, um, so I also planned a trip to do with Ian, who was a part of the community. Actually, knew I knew Ian from the day he was born because we lived with his parents in a community in San Diego, Ronald Court which I've talked about in the Janice story. Um, and so Ian and his fam their family, actually, I went, we went away to seminary. When we came back, we were with them again at Ronald Court, and then we moved to San Francisco, and they moved also with us to San Francisco. And then they always stay longer at places than we do. <laughs> so they were at Ronald Court for like, 15 years and then they were in San Francisco for like 15 years uh, a lot of their life almost their entire life in community experiences but they have two kids Matt and Ian and Ian was their younger son and so I was asked to plan and take Ian along with uh, another another member to take Ian on a rites of path, rite of passage trip. So Ian by this time is what, 17? Yeah, I think he's probably 16, 17. Um, and so uh, again, I since I have the availability of Spanish in Mexico, and I know that puts that could put someone in a different context where they're asking different questions because they're uncomfortable or they're not they're not used to the society they're in. And that's my, you know, my standard way of kind of looking at it is, okay, how can I put them in a place where they view their lives from a different perspective, a different context. And so we planned a trip uh, for Ian. It was Tim, Tim, uh, Tim and I planned this trip for Ian where we were going to fly down to San Antonio, Texas, spend some time in San Antonio and then take a bus across the border to uh, an area near uh, Mont Monterrey, Mexico, a uh, small town ca called Galareta, which took me forever to learn how to pronounce. So Dan, <clears throat> let me, let me ask you a question. Um, how would you describe, how would you describe Ian's temperament at this time? What kind of a, okay. what kind of a, what kind of a young man, or young guy was he at this point in his life? Ian uh, was very, uh, very good at, with his body, very good, coordinated, very good at sports. Uh, funny. I think Ian had a great, has a great sense of humor. Uh, but Ian also is a very sensitive person. Was, at the time was very sensitive, which was a, uh, kind of a gift and a curse for him, I think, uh, back then. And, uh, but I love, I love his sense of humor. I had done other trips with him and his dad and his brother. So I uh, had spent some time with them. I like a pretty tight knit family too. Oh, uh, there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell you a little, let me tell you a little story that we, I'll just, this will play into that other story. 
we planned a trip. Uh, me, Mike, Ian, Ian and, and Matt's dad. Mike went with me on Kevin's rites of, rite of passage. And uh, we planned a trip to go hiking in the Redwoods. And so we got everything together, our backpacks and everything, and we drove there. And uh, it started raining, basically, when we got there. And so we're trying to get far enough into where we could just set up our tents, get away from the, the cars and everything. It was raining and we're getting wet and it was it was miserable. And we hiked the trail that we thought we were supposed to be on. And we set up our tents and then spent the night. I think Matt ended up getting sick. Uh, it, it was just really miserable. And we woke up in the morning, you could hear like car sounds. And, and, and so somebody went out and it turns out we weren't hiking inland at all. We were hiking along the highway for like couple hours we're like we're not even on the trail we're not even on the right trail oh this is stupid so we had to hike all the way back and we were tired of the rain already and so we decided okay screw this we're gonna we're gonna go to well let's just go to death valley so we decided to go for drive from the redwoods to death valley because we're like it's not gonna be raining in death valley for sure how far of a distance is and that it's a pretty it's about a six hour oh drive. yeah <laughs> so we uh loaded up everything and we crossed uh, california and got to Death Valley. This is with you and your family? No, just me. Oh. I'm a only, it's a, a men's trip, just a little men, okay. boy, you know, boy and men trip. Yeah, yeah. And so we go to Death Valley and we have, it was great. We have some good times in Death Valley. But this one experience is pretty funny. We uh, were asking about hot, hot springs to different people. And we, somebody said, or we, I don't know if we saw it on a map or if someone told us about it that there was a hot springs kind of out in the boonies that no one went to, that only the locals knew about. It was outside the boundaries of Death Valley. And uh, so we decided we'd go to this hot springs and find it. And we, sure enough, we got out of Death Valley and we found this kind of parking area and, and we walked this dirt road back in there. And behind these bushes was this small hot springs huh. kind of just a, a cement i'd say it was by maybe six by six really small like and hot that, tub size and that was the that was the entire that was springs. it that was the entire hot springs there was no no roof no nothing it was Not just like rocks and sand around it wasn't yellowstone <laughs> it wasn't man it was crazy so we're like oh great this is good we got it and we we were all to ourselves when we got there so and Matt and Ian, this is when they're younger high school, I'd say, uh, maybe 14 and 16, maybe even a little younger. And we're sitting in there, and, and I think we were in our boxers because that's we didn't have bathing suits with us or, I don't know, what we, or shorts. And so we're sitting in there enjoying it. And... All of a sudden, one of the a local shows up, and it's a woman, and she's probably 40 years old, and uh, we're all sitting in the hot tub, and it's, it's small because, you know, and she decides to come in, but she, as she's walking toward the hot tub, she takes her top 
all off. She takes her shirt and she is naked. And 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 Matt and Ian are like they don't know where to look. Like they're moving their heads, bobbing them back and forth. And and me and Mike are like, oh my gosh! And and she come walks down in there and sits down in there. And I think she was in her underwear otherwise too. And and no top. And Matt and Ian are just like. Speechless. That was crazy. <laughs> no words. I know it was a, a, a and Mike started up a conversation and oh boy, it sounds like it this was, was a this was <laughs> this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I think hot tubs. It, like you a, get naked a lot of t- in places where there's not hot tubs where there's uh, hot springs, hot spring, nudist hot springs. Yeah, and so <laughs> I think Badney eventually got out and. It, but it was very awkward for all of us. Did you end up all conversing with her at all? I didn't much. Mike, <laughs> Mike did. I, we t- asked her about, tried to ask about local things. And it's just weird, you know, awkward. talking with someone you've never met before. And they're half naked. They're naked. But it was a crack up. And we still still laugh about it. That so, is great. That's a sidebar then with uh, – with, uh, your friend with, and that was Ian there. Yeah, uh, Ian was there. Yeah, Ian and Matt. Yep. Yeah. So Ian. Uh, so we decided. Uh, so the community decided. Okay, it's time for Ian to go on a rite of passage trip, and so Tim and I planned it, and we were going to throw some spicy things in there, and then we were going to come back from the trip, and not fly back to San Francisco, but fly into Sacramento, which we often did because you could get a cheaper flight or something. But we were going to surprise him then, and the entire uh, community, the men of the community, were going to show up in, in in Sacramento at the airport, pick us up, and go. In, we're going to go to the mountains and have a backpacking trip for three days oh. up at this place called Hellhole, and we're going to do all these r- rituals and stuff. And anyway, that's that's part of the plan. So, okay, so we fly we fly down to San Antonio. And my idea for Ian was, okay, we're going to get him just kind of out of his element right away. And so when we flew into San Antonio, we said, we're going to go to the bus station. And we went to the bus station and then we got, we got some lockers. And so we said to Ian, all you need is your sleeping bag. And we're going to put all our stuff in the lockers and we are going to be homeless for 24 hours in San Antonio. We know nothing about San Antonio, but we're going to be homeless here. So we load all our stuff in lockers, no money, no nothing, only sleeping bags to sleep in. And we head out and we go down and we're near the river walk in San Antonio, which is gorgeous. You know, it's really cool. They got that. I think it's what river goes through San Antonio. It might be the Brazos. I don't know. Uh, And. We're walking around, and so then we decide we're getting a little hungry, and we decide, well, let's start asking people for money, which was really weird. Mm-hmm. And we're like, hey, do you got any money? And people were looking at us. and, and Cause you're probably, I'm sure you didn't, you didn't look homeless. We didn't look super homeless. No. Uh was very uncomfortable. Uh We were asking people some people would give us a, like a dollar or something one woman she i think she gave us each a dollar uh 
very nice Christian woman. Did you split up or did you ask for money we, as a small group? We stayed together. Yeah. yeah, mostly. I think mostly we stayed together. Um, we met some guy who was throwing a, a big party that night, but it was kind of a commercial thing for some some liquor or something. And they were wanting to show off their liquor. So they were having a big party. So he met him and he was actually handing out these, I don't know if they were like gold, uh, $1 coins or silver dollars or something. He gave us each one said, come to the party tonight, you know, get wasted. And, and so we had a couple bucks each and, but then we, we thought, okay, let's, let's make a, let's go to the square, the Alamo square. You know, we were near there. And we went there and we got some cardboard and we made a little sign and we found uh, we either had or found an Altoid, little Altoid uh, tin. And we decided, okay, let's get creative about asking for money. And so we decided to write on our sign, homeless bank, make a deposit or make a withdrawal. (laughs) You know, so we decided, hey, that's going to be cute. They can do either one. And so we we sit down in Alamo Square and we set our little Altoid can out there and we put our sign right behind it. And we're sitting there going, this is going to go great, you know. And I don't know for now, those. Tell, that, now, for, for people like me who don't know what an Altoid, what are Altoids? It's a little, they're like a breath mint. Okay. So you were giving away Altoids. No, 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 no. Oh. They was empty. I'm sorry. They, ah. It was empty, but they have a really cool tin. It's square. Oh, okay. It's got a lid that's hinged. Okay. It's kind of a. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I've had, I've seen those. Of okay. Yeah. yeah. And so it was empty, and we uh, we put actually put our our some of our change that we had gotten. We put it in the Altoid can, mm-hmm. so people, if they wanted to make a withdrawal, they could. And yeah. And uh, he is just like, you know, this is weird what we're doing this. And we're like, we're all going to try to see if we can survive this way. And this will be good for us. And so we sit there a while and people walk by. And I don't know if you, those of you listening have ever tried to just be homeless for a little while. It's, I suggest it because really opens your eyes to how people are treated on the street, but people walk by and they would give us the dirtiest looks mm. they possibly could. I mean, just shame you with with their eyes as much as they could or make a huffing sound with their mouth. I mean, other people would look and smile, but basically no, not anybody hardly was reading our sign and no one was putting anything in. Mm. And we sat there for about half an hour. And then there were we noticed there were some other homeless people in the square and they, one of them got up and started coming our direction. And so we're like, okay, that's interesting. And they come over and they say, uh, you, you guys are probably new here, right? And we're like, yeah, how'd you, how'd you know? And they're like, yeah, there's a law <laughs> against panhandling in San Antonio. And you will be put in jail if you have a sign or anything that you, if you're panhandling for money, the police will take you in. (laughs) And we're like, oh my gosh. Although I'm thinking that probably would have been a great experience experience, too. But but, uh, immediately we take our sign down and we shut our Altoid can and we're like, ah. And so needless to say, I can't remember what we we used the money to get some food and I can't remember what we ate 
that lunch and night, but we did not have much money at all. I mean, we were basically really hungry. Mm. Um, I can't remember what we bought for food, but, and so then it came time, it was getting, getting dark and it's, and the river walks nice in the evening. It's fun to walk around down there, but we thought, okay, we need to find a place to sleep. And we had no idea how to pick out a place to sleep in an urban area. So we went up the hill from the river walk and there was a parking garage and around the parking garage was, and this is in the summer, so it's warm out. And so around the parking garage was this lush green lawn. And we're like, oh, this would be fantastic. And so we got, went around the back or the side of the parking garage where no one could see us. And we laid out our sleeping bags on this beautiful lush green lawn thinking, ah, there's nothing to this homeless thing. Well, this is great. We'll, we'll just enjoy a night here on the lawn. And so about, I'd say about 10 o'clock, we tried to conk out and go to sleep. Well, it comes around about midnight. Uh, this guy comes around with a flashlight and he was a security guard for the parking garage. And he came around and started flashing his light in our faces and we wake up and we're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You were able to sleep. Oh, huh? uh, we, well, we, I think I slept a little bit. And, uh, and so, and he wakes us up and he says, I'm sorry, guys. He was very nice about it. He's like, I'm sorry, guys, you cannot sleep here. We're like, oh, really? Just for the night, please. Oh. He's like, nope, sorry, you can't sleep here. So we had, we got up, got our sleeping bags together and we had to go find another place to sleep. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. And that's yeah. not easy. So we're wandering around looking and really hard to find a spot. And so then we go down by the river walk and we find uh, behind some kind of low bushes and trees, we find this like slanted rocky area behind near the river, fairly close to the to river, river. And we're like, okay. This is not that great. And we lay out our sleeping bags and it was really uncomfortable. And we climb in and we try to go to sleep and there's tons of mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, this is the worst. We had a great spot and now we're in this stupid spot. And so we try to sleep and uh, about 3.30 in the morning, again, lights flashing in our faces Turns out there's a police boat that goes up and down the river, river walk, and they were had a, one of those swiveling lights on the boat, and they swiveled, and they were shining on us, and they're, what are you guys doing back there? And we were not, we had not gotten much sleep at all, and we were yeah. kind of grouchy, like, what? What do you want? We're the police. What are you sleeping back there? We don't want you sleeping back there. Mm. Like, well... And, and then I think I said, well, is it against the law to sleep back here? They're like, no, but we don't want you there. And we're like, well, just leave us alone if it's not against the law. And we were like whining back in the day. And they're like, well, we'll let you sleep here, but you better be out of here by five in the morning because we have runner people that run along the trail down here. We don't want them you down here when they're running. Like, oh, just – we're like, okay, just get out here and leave us alone. Turn off your light. And we were we were actually pretty grouchy and saying bad stuff to him. So we did, and we woke up early, and we were exhausted. And we ended up going back to the, the bus station, and we got uh, 
got our stuff out of lockers and our next leg of the journey and we weren't really letting Ian know much about the trip it was kind of keep each day to itself so he's not thinking ahead or worrying ahead and we got on the bus and we took the bus across the border and toward Monterrey and actually we were going to Cadareta which is where in Cadareta was a very good friend of mine actually he's my I would say he's my best friend and he's Mexican and he was a pastor of a church in Cadareta and we were going to his house and he had a small place there and so we and and so took the bus probably was I don't know six to eight hours and ended up in Cadareta with this friend of mine and then uh, spent some time there. One of the things we did in Mexico, which I think everybody should do at least once, although it's a very emotion was very emotional for me, is we went to a bullfight. And so yeah. you crossed the Mexican border. Yeah, we yeah. were down there. Monterrey is pretty Monterey. far down on the on the Caribbean side. Okay. Uh, there's some nice lush mountains there, kind of desert and mountains. So how far is that from San Antonio? Yeah, six to eight hours. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you you've gone pretty deep into Mex deeply into Mexico. Yeah, it's not a border town. Yeah. Um, and so I think uh, so we go to this bullfight, and it's it's crazy how emotional it is. It's like this contest between animals and men, and just this weird dynamic and. I don't know. It was it was for me super emotional because they're fighting this bull and throwing these spears into this bull, and the the whole fight ends either the bull wins and and gets knocks the guy out, or they they take this final sword and the bull goes by and he stabbed this sword down through its back into its heart and it just falls over and yeah. and dies and then. Once it's dead, they have these horses or mules come in and they attach these ropes or chains to the legs of the bull and they have the mules drag the bull out of the out of the ring. And it's weird, just this weird pitting of creation against itself and humans against animals. I don't know, it was, I ended up having lots and lots of emotions mm. that went with that. And, and what about Ian? And I... I think it was it was weird for all all of us. Um, Adrian had gone before, but he it was kind of an experience of very c basic carnality of flesh and blood and power versus power and the struggle. And I I can't remember exactly how he felt about it. Yeah, yeah. Is that the only bullfight you've ever been to? That's the only one I've been to. And. And then uh, we spent time in Carareta. Uh, Adrian told us some about that town. It's a very strange town. I don't know if this is still the case, uh, but back in that day, it was the had the highest suicide rate in the entire country of Mexico. And it was a weird culture in Carareta where people would just commit suicide very easily. Like he said, like a... a a girl would be uh, a teenage girl would be at dinner. Everything's great. Talking with her family. She'd finish dinner, walk upstairs and kill herself, slit her wrists or 
take pills or something. And, he's, and, and Adrian said, it's just the weirdest thing that this town, this is kind of their weird way of coping with life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they had this really high suicide rate. Very, very strange. And he was a pastor there and he had dealt with it a lot. Um, and then he, I told him we wanted to do some service for the poor in Mexico somewhere. And so he took us to a very small village, uh, kind of a desert yeah, setting. And I, he dropped us off there and, and I said, we'll just walk around and see if somebody needs any help. <laughs> so we just are walking around this village, say, talking to people, say, hey, do you need any help with anything? And we met this woman who had a little shack and she's, she said, well, I could use a, a door in the back of my, my shack. Yeah. <laughs> and so we, we got some wood she had and we <laughs> nailed to, and we nailed it together a door for her and then hung it in the back of her shack and did the best we could. Like plywood or was it, it, it was like, like boards. It was like weird flat boards, three quarter inch boards. Okay. Yeah, it was definitely not sealed from the weather, but it was enough to close the shack. <laughs> and then we uh, played soccer with some little kids for about an hour. That was really fun, actually, because Ian was really good at soccer and uh, he very good at sports. And so that was very enjoyable. And we kept asking people, can we help you? Can and they said, too bad you didn't come just a week earlier. They said, because it was, a, it was a farming village. And they said, a week earlier, we had the chili harvest. We har harvested all of our chilies for the season. We would have loved to have you then. You could have picked chilies with us. And I'm like, oh, that would have been perfect, you know. But we were a week late, and so we missed the chili harvest, unfortunately. Uh, anyway, we spent time there, went back, spent time with Adrian. He got took us around. Then we took the bus back to San Antonio and we got back to San Antonio and Ian was nervous. He's like, oh no, we're going to be homeless again or what? And we said to Ian, all right, this time we're in San Antonio. Here's, uh, I think it was 300 bucks. We're going to live it up. We're going to live like the rich for this 24 hours. You know, like we got to spend this whole 300 bucks or something. <laughs> And we did the opposite thing. So he's getting experience of what it means to be really poor. And then he's getting, kind of, I don't know, 300 bucks back then was, it was pretty good. And we had a really, so we got a really nice hotel with a balcony and we went out to this fancy restaurant and we actually ended up giving some of the money. He's like, we should give some of this to the homeless people we see around, <laughs> which was a good thing. You know, we recognized that he recognized, okay, I've lived this way. I should. I should be a consci conscious of them when I'm rich. Mm -hmm. And we had a good time. Mm -hmm. yeah. But Ian, it was a very tiring trip. I would say we were already a week in. You did all that in a week. Yeah. That sounds like a lot. It was yeah. a lot. And yeah. we were very tired. And so we're flying back. And Ian kept saying stuff. He had no idea about the camping trip. And so he kept saying stuff on the plane like, oh, I cannot wait to get to my bed. <laughs> I'm so tired. I just, my bed is, I, I, I can't get there fast enough. Why are we flying into Sacramento? We should just fly straight into San, San Francisco. I need my bed. And he was so, you know, and, and his sense of, he was very, so tired that he was kind of grouchy and yeah. his sensitivity was coming out. 
And we're like, I was, I was telling Tim, oh, I don't know. When we tell him about the backpacking trip, I think he's yeah. not going to be very excited about it. Yeah. But we, we all had it all planned and all the, everybody was coming to the airport from San Francisco, probably uh, 12 to 15 guys were going to show up. And uh, so we fly into Sacramento and, and one person shows up and Ian and I think Ian thought they were going to give us, he's like, good. Our ride is here to go back to San Francisco. <laughs> we said, I'm not here for the ride. I'm here for the trip backpacking trip. And, and Ian looks around and I'm like, yep, surprise. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> we're going on a backpacking trip for three days. He's like, what? And I think he was so mad. He was actually really mad. <laughs> he's like, ah, I don't want to go to, and I'm like, it's all planned and everything. And so he had a hard time adjusting over to that. But once he did, I, it went really well. Oh, good. Uh, we backpacked up to Hell Hole, which is this reservoir up in the Sierra Mountains. It has a lot of driftwood. We spent the night. The next day, we had a huge celebration for him. We had this feast with this giant, big, uh, piece of meat and we his father said a blessing over him and we prayed for him and we said all these good things that we knew about him and we had this huge feast and we put him on our shoulders and we marched him around it <laughs> in the feast and it was it was fantastic it was a great great meal and I think one of the challenges I had for all of us to do was to take and build a uh, uh, a raft out of driftwood in the reservoir, which was freezing cold. And we, uh, even in the summer, it was up so high and we built this. So we got all this driftwood together. And the idea was we'd build this raft and Ian was supposed to be in charge. He would tell everybody what to do and how to build it. And then we were all supposed to get on the raft mm. at the end. It was supposed to be really big. So we gathered all these huge logs, driftwood, I mean, these are not little sticks. These are big logs. And yeah. we put this, we framed them together and Ian was leading the whole thing. You How know, did you assemble them? We, I, we just lay them on each other, tried to get forked branches that would fit with oh, others and then kind of piled them around in an organized fashion. And we got this huge raft. And I so can't then, even imagine how that would work. Yeah, it, it, it did work. But we got this huge raft and we started all climbing on it. And once we got most of us on it, it started falling apart. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> and, what I'm picturing. Yeah, and I don't know if anybody fell in, but it was getting, and we were definitely shoes wet, and, and people were getting, no, it's falling apart. And we took some pictures, and uh, I should find some pictures of that. It was really, it was super fun. And Ian was all in charge, so he had, you know, this feeling of like being the leader of the group and. All in all, I, I, he, I, it was a really great trip, yeah. and and so then we went home, which he was super happy to go back to yeah. his bed because yeah. <laughs> we had just been sleeping in these weird spots. And what is it about? What is it, Dan, about ceremonies like this that you uh, <clears throat> that really is that that really is a symbol for a transition between childhood and adulthood? You know, yeah, uh, I think from a boy to a man. You know, if you don't mark it, if you have no marker, I think the 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 problem is that the per the the boy works it out themselves or has to work a lot of it out themselves, and there's no like 
time when they can point okay. to say, that's when I became a man or, or that was an experience that pushed me toward being a man. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and so we really try to, with Kevin and Ian, say, this is something that hopefully you'll remember where we're celebrating you as a boy, but we're calling you to be a man. And so we did all, all these, you know, this feast and the things we said to him were about, here's the man that I see you becoming. And here's the man I hope you'll be. Here's the man we're blessing you to be in the future. And we're praying for you to, uh, for me, it also a huge part of a rite of passage for me is to have some kind of suffering and to have the boy pass through suffering in order to become a man. I think that's just across the world. That's what rite of passages are about going on a solo vision quest or going out and having to drink animal blood or having to cut yourself or have this really painful tattoo or to capture some wild beast or, or kill some wild uh -huh. beast. There's this, there's always in all across the world, mm -hmm. there's this sense of challenge and suffering. Mm -hmm. And so being homeless for 24 hours was, is, was part of that, mm -hmm. you know, that deep suffering of what does this feel like to be completely out of my element? And what, what does it mean for me in becoming a man? Um, and, 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 and it's used as a marker or a, yeah, I love that word, yeah. a marker. Yeah. 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 And so that's what we tried to create, uh, for Ian and, and, and for Kevin in, in a very different way. You know, they're different people, and so we do different trips for them. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's a, something that we've, we've, we have lost probably in, in most of American culture. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, but it's, it's great to hear their pockets, like the community that you had that yeah. took that serious and realized the importance of that uh, marker and that transition from childhood to adulthood. Yeah, and when you hear... Uh, my podcast with my brother, I don't know if it'll come before or after this one, but uh, the trips I took with my brother when we were kids that we did solo trips together were very much rite of passage trips for us. However, there were no adult, uh, adults involved. Mm -hmm. We were, you know, on the, either on the Colorado River for a week uh, by ourselves or a, a high, a backpacking in the San Jacinto Mountains. Um, and they were very much those kind of trips that now I, I, I just feel incredibly comfortable in the wilderness by myself, uh, because, uh, we went through something, but you'll, there's a whole podcast or maybe two on those trips. Uh, well, let's see. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Dan, that's a great story that, that, uh, how would you, uh, in reflecting on that story, how would you how do you see that 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 stick, sort of staying with the theme of the podcast of being in the wrong place at uh, the right time? Well, it's kind of me allowing Ian to be in the wrong place for him, hmm. uh, being homeless, completely yeah. wrong place. But hopefully, it was a time. The timing of being in the wrong place was something that would propel him toward being a better person being a better man, being more compassionate, being more empathetic with those on that are the down and out. 
then we were in this small village walking around asking people, you know, wrong place again for three gringos. You know, we're usually tourists are the gringos are tourists in Mexico. And we were just like being servants. We wanted to help anybody. And so we helped this old woman with a build her a door to her shack, um, you know, that had a dirt floor and really wasn't much. Mm. And uh, so that's, again, sort of the wrong place. But allowing Ian to see that being in the wrong place can give you empathy for others, can give you compassion for others. Um, and I don't know, being uh, with a bunch of men in the mountains, I'm not sure that was actually the wrong place. But in our culture and in our society, that's unusual. And that's just to have a bunch of men speak into your life and say things about you and encourage you uh, is a great thing. But it's the wrong place in our society. Our society think youth have it all together, that youth are the the, the best part of our society rather than wisdom and age. And so there's not really an understanding of transitioning from boys to men for people in our society. Mm-hmm. And for Ian, it was definitely the wrong, I think it was the wrong place because he wanted to be in his bed. Yeah. He yeah. Talk, he's so, he was so angry yeah, when we yeah. were driving up to the mountain. That last hike that he wasn't yeah. prepared for, uh, I'm sure to him felt like the absolute but it, turned, it sounds like there were some really good things that happened. On oh, that fantastic. Last, there's that a guy. Last leg. There's a guy. This this is one of the funniest times in my life. I laughed the hardest. There's a guy in that community named Doug, and he's uh, he was a software uh, desi- uh, designer, creator. This is the community that you live yeah, in. Yeah, and he, great guy, love Doug, uh, but he was single, and he borrowed a little backpack from one of the women in the community to take with him. And we were hiking up and this backpack was just falling apart. Nothing was working on it. The straps were coming loose and Doug was getting angrier and angrier. And uh, and he's a tall, skinny guy. And uh, at one point, he just rips the backpack off of his back and he slams it to the ground and he's jumping up and down on it and he's cussing like he's this effing backpack i can't be leave effing laura gave me this backpack this is the worst thing in the world and he's spitting and he's out and i'm rolling on the ground everybody oh, around him we are laughing and he's going at it he picks it up and he's slamming it against trees and he's going all out and I never laughed so hard in my life because Doug is not normally that way. You know, he's a little nerdy, but man, it was it was the best thing for he, me. He's one of the guys who came up to join you for that last yeah. leg of the, the hike yeah. at the end. And Doug, I, I just tell a little story on Doug. Uh, just amazing for me, guy. Because he he was in our community living on the same amount of money as everybody else and giving the rest of his money to the community. And he was a big software engineer down south of San Francisco. And he was making thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, he I'm sure his salary at the time was over $100,000. And he had also his company gave him stock options. And one time he traded in his stock options and got 
$300,000. <laughs> I think it was $300,000. And he brought it to the community and he said, okay, what are we going to do with this? Mm-hmm. And it was spectacular that a man that had that much money would do that. And we spent the next, I think, month talking together as a community, how are we going to spend all this money? And we ended up giving a lot of it to uh, nonprofits working with the poor in different countries in Africa. We, we gave some for the homeless in San Francisco. I mean, we gave, we were, it was like a, a Christmas for us, yeah, like sure being Santa like Claus. And he allowed us to do that with his money. And it was, he, I was always amazed at that. It, it taught me so much about his generosity and his ability to detach himself from the Mount, his work, because he was very humble, a very humble guy and ended up moving to Chicago and getting married there and living in a community in Chicago, actually, uh, with them. That's what I remember about Doug. So he was the one still, he hated that backpack more than That is a hilarious image. Oh, it was the best ever, best ever. All right, Dan. Well, that is a fantastic story. Another one, uh, another one that we could podcast collection. Of, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, uh, wrong place at the right time. Thank you, Brad, and I hope you have a good time in Tucson with yeah. the uh, Gem and Mineral Show. Yeah. We'll put a little plug for it on the <laughs> podcast here. Although, I guess it happens every year. So it's where the the cosmos come together who love gems, minerals, and Fossils and jewelry and yeah, Tucson, Arizona. So that works perfect with our music. Cue the music. So I'll tell you a story. This doesn't have cousins. 